It's the only podcast on earth with two Major League Baseball All-Stars, Jason Kendall, who's not here in Florida with his son, Dimitri Young, who is here, Darren McCarty, the four-time Stanley Cup champion who is not here, Lars Fredrickson, a rock star from Rancid. Dimitri, it is time for wrestling. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. Uh, 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 we have a New Year's surprise here. We have Petey Williams back. So if we have to go bring somebody back, we got to bring something else back. It's what is that, Dennis? Time for the wrestling perspective. Petey Williams, Dennis Farrell, Demetri Young. <laughs> Welcome home, buddy. Hey, it's 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 good to be back. It's been it's been literally a, a year, Dennis, and I I told you. I was coming back. I just didn't know when. Um, so don't call me a liar, all right? Here it is. Hey, a lot's changed on this podcast since you've been gone. It was a name change. We added a bunch of people. Now we're back. And it's a surprise to you. The wrestling perspective is home. Hey, well, you know what? I, I forgot. Hold on. Let me, let me start over because this is what I did for the past two years when we did this. How's she going, eh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Dimitri Young, we have the Canadian Destroyer himself. <laughs> Two worlds colliding, now one podcast. Happy New Year's, guys. Oh, thank well, thanks, you. Dennis. So, and Pete, uh, I'll give you a scouting report before we get the rest of the guys here uh, in another episode. And also for the fans that now will be a crossover because we lost a lot of the wrestling perspective fans when we changed everything. <laughs> so, uh Jason Kindle loves everybody. He will tell you he you are his biggest, you know, favorite wrestler. <laughs> and he will interrupt you. Darren McCarty only cares about wrestling storylines. Lars is just awesome. And Dimitri yeah. is like the professor. He's he's the doctor. Like he's breaking down old school NWA stuff with us. Okay. So then it, it that's a good rundown. So then uh, what does that make you, Dennis? I hit record. Ooh. Okay. I just, I, I'm, I'm the looks. I'm the face. <laughs> no, no, no. You have the radio face. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is exciting. This is what I've been waiting for. And, you know, Dimitri and I, we've had a lot of conversations. And, you know, even PD, when you and I were doing it, I kept telling you, man, we need to get Dimitri Young as part of the show. He is just a genius. Now I've got Dimitri. Now I've got Petey back home. I've got three other amazing guys, but this is what I envisioned. This is what I wanted right here. And we talked about this, I think, uh, man, a year ago. We really wanted to grow the Wrestling Perspective podcast, and uh, this was kind of the the vision that we had, uh, and it's good. I mean, it took a couple of years, but 2021 is going to be amazing. a good year. So, yeah. And just kind of like the, the podcast has been, it's Freebird Rules. Uh, any given time, you may get any given you know, mathematical equation of us. It may be the three of us, PD, Dimitri, and I. It might be all six of us doing a list or you know, talking about something. So no show will ever feel the same because it will be different. Sometimes we'll watch old school wrestling and talk about it while we record. Sometimes we'll just sit down and kind of like today, we've got a couple topics we're going to deep dive on. We're going to talk about Brody Lee and his passing, of course. We're going to talk PD. We're basically Dimitri and I are going to re-interview PD for the show. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, 
we're going to talk about the uh, change in programming with WWE going from what it has been to kind of a more darker, sinister feel and compared to where it has been in the past. So where do we start, D? I wanted to start with Petey himself. The question I asked you um, last night, and you said ask him today. So, Petey, you mm-hmm. have the m- most popular move set that's out there, the Canadian Destroyer. And, of course, it has other names. Now, other people claimed it as their own, the Panama Sunrise, and and everybody's using that move. Um, are you going to reclaim it, or do you have something – in store for the wrestling people? Um, well, I, I've never uh, relinquished my claim to it to begin with. Um, so, I mean, reclaiming it, I mean, I've, I've always done it. Uh, it really became a popular move in pretty much overkill. Uh, when I first retired in 2000, I think it was Dennis 14, 2014 yep. maybe. Um, and then I came back in 2017, everybody was already using it and all that kind of stuff. Um, at first I was a little heated because like people just start doing it, but then now I'm, 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 I'm flattered. I always said that, uh, I think know, I've been more upset than you have. Yeah. And you have, and I, at first I was upset cause I'm like, Hey, you know what's going on, but now everybody does it and it's really an overkill move. So actually, uh, the wrestling business killed it which means that people have kind of like stopped doing it as much, which means that in a little bit, it's probably going to be special again. And, um, you know, I'm still going to do it as a finish. I mean, I'm, that's not going to change, but you know, what's good is like, and I, I said this before uh, many times on the podcast and the wrestling perspective that, uh, you know, when, when we're all dead, hundred years from now, everybody listening is dead. Wrestling is going to go on forever. It will like, Jake- um, just like it's been going on in the past. And, the Canadian destroyer uh, will be used by some other kid. That's probably not even born yet. And I'll always be able to lay claim to be like, Hey, I brought that to the mainstream. I bought that to, you know, uh, uh, on TV. Um, I made that my own. So I can say, I, you know, I, I left my mark in wrestling forever. Like people might not remember my name, but they'll remember the move like, forever. Like Jacob clothesline and Marcus armbar. Exactly. Exactly. Russian leg sweep. Oh, um, we, I was a big fan of Russian leg sweep. <laughs> so I, I hope that answers your question, B. That was a great perspective. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> wrestling perspective. So, uh, Pete, you're you're back home. We've missed you. What have you been doing? Uh, quarantining. Yeah, well, that's all of us. No. Um. So. Uh, I've been laying low. I've been doing some uh, other stuff on my own outside of the wrestling business. Obviously, uh, you know, I don't have to reiterate this, but wrestling took a big hit with the COVID. Obviously, Um, it's it was tough to watch the start. I remember watching WrestleMania with you, Dennis. It was uh, painful. It it, it was it was like uh, no crowd. It's silence. Like it reminds me of. Uh, in like uh, 20 years ago when I first started training in wrestling at uh, the Can-Am Wrestling School in the warehouse, there's no fans. Uh, you can hear a pin drop. Um, it's just, it's weird. I like how it's evolved. I like how uh, AEW's been doing it. I like how uh, WWE's been doing it. Um, they're both different, so that's good. They're not both doing the same thing. 
uh, Impact, they and Ring of Honor as well. They still have the uh, the no fans, which is fine, you know. Uh, but uh, I, I, I literally been doing nothing in wrestling. It's, it was really tough for me to watch. Uh, I really like the the produced matches. Um, some have been better than others, but I really like that because it does put another spin on wrestling that we really haven't uh, we haven't done ever. So to answer your question, I haven't been doing anything in wrestling, man. This is the first time I wore like a wrestling shirt in <laughs> since February. My last match was uh, televised in March, uh, beginning of March uh, against Moose. We were setting up for that big uh, TNA reunion show uh, with WrestleMania weekend in Florida that was canceled. inevitably canceled. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't been doing much in wrestling at all, uh, but that's, that's not going to be uh much longer. Can 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 I do uh can I do one of my impressions of a a wrestling announcer? Yeah. Pete, Pete, why now? Why do you come back to the podcast now? Why now, Pete? <sighs> that is such a great question, man. Uh I mean, just these kids, man. These kids are they're they're, they're running the sprint right now when really they have to be running a marathon. All right. I'm here to come back to show these kids how wrestling's supposed to be done. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That was just off the top of my head. That, that's, that's not bad. Not bad <laughs> oh, at all. Good stuff we're, having, right we're having fun, though, right? We're having fun. But and and because this is a wrestling perspective, we as fans, Dimitri and I, we've and, and Jason, we've talked about no fans and watching wrestlers. As a wrestler, how hard is it to go from? wrestling in front of nobody at KMAM than to go in front of thousands and then to do it televised in front of no wrestlers, which you haven't done it yet, but watching it with, you are a producer for Impact, watching it from that point of view, how hard is it to produce a television show with no fans? Um, well, producing and wrestling, two different things. So uh, obviously with the wrestling part of it, uh, I've never wrestled televised in front of no fans. Um, I've wrestled in front of small crowds and all that kind of stuff, but um, that's going to be different for me. Uh, believe it or not, I I want to do it because that's something on my bucket list that I've never done before. So it'll be interesting to see how different it is because a lot of the times, I know with me, I'll play off the crowd to you know get fired up and you know feel their energy and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be different when you don't have that. Um, so. I don't, I don't know how that's going to be. I'm going to have to actually talk to some of the other people uh, if and when I do go back to Impact um, to see, you know, get some advice from them, I guess I could say. As for producing, it'll actually be easier to produce because a lot of the times when you're calling uh, camera shots, um, somebody in the truck will be on like, oh, get, get, that, uh, get that guy's reaction in the front row. No, no, you know, like camera three reaction. Now you're not going to have that. So there's no reaction from fans. Uh, you don't have to worry about blocking off shots where you're you're filming uh, a spot where there is no fans. Um, so I would think it's easier. And especially, I mean, this is what I'm assuming. I don't know. But if there is a – if you blow a spot, you know, and it's really bad, you could almost be like, let's do that <laughs> spot again. Let's set up. And they can just produce it as long as you're not live. So – producing it's probably going to be a lot easier and not only that too what i'm thinking is a lot of the times i know with impact we'd film like uh two two hour shows in a row 
um, in front of the fans uh, like two or three days in a row and they would get burned out. Right. I mean, you've been at the shows, Dennis, and you're like, okay, they're excited at first. And, and we're doing our on cameras, you know, our on cameras where, you know, Don and Josh are sitting here and the crowd's reacting behind them. We have to do like five or six in a row. And then uh, the fans are like, all right, well, you know, I'm getting tired of chanting and all that kind of stuff. So now you don't have to worry about that. And now you could start at, you don't have to wait till like seven o'clock at night, a live show. You don't have to worry about like, okay, you know, for the, for the, uh, the, the house, like, you know, the home crowd, like we're going to do an untelevised super main event. We don't have to worry about that anymore. You could film instead of like trying to cram everything before the crowd gets dead, like into like three hours, you start at two and end at 10. You could film eight hours because you don't need that crowd. So in theory, I would think, um, and I may be proven wrong when I, when I go back in theory, I would think it would be easier as a producer, um, to do that. And you can also like in the middle of the day, like at six o'clock, okay, let's, we're guys, we're going to break for dinner, you know, or, or, Hey, uh, you know, I need to go to the bathroom or whatever. Like that, that's, that's great. It actually makes it easier. Hey Dennis, I have something for PD here. I, it's just been burning in my stomach for a while. It's been about the, um, probably the most prestigious belt and pretty much all of professional wrestling. That's being the X division belt. That's the belt that put TNA impact on the map. And I remember watching it way back when the crazy matches that were going on and stuff and the history behind it. Why, why, why is it so prestigious? Even to this day, regardless of the ups and downs that TNA impact, has been through the X Division title. Ha- oh, I didn't want to mention that, but um, <laughs> but what? I mean, that belt holds prestige regardless of however the uh, the organization is going. Yeah, I think so because when the company was first made in 2002, uh, there was only one company at the time, WWE, and you saw what they were given on TV, and you know there was no. I think we we're still going off of dial-up internet back then. Um, maybe some people had like you know, like high-speed internet and stuff. So you didn't have the access to wrestling like you do now. Um, but going back then, you you had something called the X Division, and WCW is very popular for their cruiserweight division. It's just that I don't think the management in WCW put a lot of emphasis. Um, like, I mean, they, they let them do whatever they want in the ring. And it was phenomenal matches like Eddie Guerrero and, and Rey Mysterio and all those guys. Right. But I don't think they put the emphasis on it. Like, Hey, because all the politics and stuff you had, you've read, you know, Bischoff talks about it all the time with like Hogan on top, like just so much politics up top where the guys down here, they're never going to be able to move up. Um, but they're, they're doing great matches in WCW. So now that's gone. You know, WCW shuts down. So now all you see is what's on WWE and that type of wrestling that they portray. So now TNA comes along and they put a, they're like, TNA's smart. And they're like, okay, we can't compete with like, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, all that kind of stuff. That's, we can't do it. Um, so we're still going to have our heavyweight division, but we need to have something else. And that's the X division. That's what's missing. That was the missing piece in WWE. And they actually put an emphasis on it. If WCW had done that, who knows? Maybe WCW would still be around. But they put an emphasis on it, and then they had the title, and everybody was watching it for the X Division. You know, whether it be at the time AJ Styles, Amazing Red, Low Key, Jerry Lynn, those were the guys that started that X Division. Um, 
and then people are like oh man like this is this is really good people were tuning in to see that type of uh that type of wrestling because the only other wrestling that did something similar to it was ring of honor but they didn't have a tv show all they had was like you know the dvds like this and stuff like that's all you had to do there was nothing on television so i think that's why it's so prestigious and right now i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say the x division still is what it used to be i mean it's the exact same thing over the past 18 years i would say it hasn't evolved much it needs to but where, where do you go next but i think right now the x division uh still awesome talent in it right now but you know they're, they're resting on their laurels you know their laurels yeah they're, they're like okay this is what we used to be and you always see the clips of like uh, the guys that started, uh, started you, AJ like, Styles, me, AJ, you know, Joe, Smojo, Joe, uh, Sabin, Alex Shelley, all those Daniel. guys, Chris Daniels, yeah, like Stipper. everybody. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why that's why it took off is because fans were itching for something different, and TNA at the time gave it to them, and they just always always ran with it and you've seen it over the years and even when i was contracted there for many years it had its ups and downs where they focused on it and then people and then it would be awesome they wouldn't focus on it and people on the internet were like man you guys need to start focusing on the x division again and tna would listen and they'd start focusing on it again but it would go back and forth you know right now with scott demore uh is the management and don callis and stuff they still put a, a huge focus uh, on the X division and, uh, cause they understand, I mean, that's the, that's the type of wrestling people want to see. And even in the heavyweight division now, if you turn on 2020 heavyweight division in any company, it would be equivalent to early two thousands in TNA, the style of wrestling. So pretty much the X division has evolved wrestling into what you see today. Interesting. Hmm. Well, here's where you go from interviewee to now back to co-host mode. And we're going to see, let's say Brody leave for the end of the show because that's kind of heavy. And I don't want to have to go and do like an emotional dip and then pull it out towards the beginning. So we'll save that towards the end only because of the emotional weight for it. But let's talk a little bit about this AEW versus Impact that they're setting up as, as fans now. Because I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. As, as much as I love Impact, Impact's been good to me, Impact's been good to UPD, Impact's been amazing to the podcast, I'm nervous because you have, it's almost like David versus Goliath where AEW is, is big, Impact has a smaller budget, and now they're trying to force us, I don't want to say force, but make us believe that maybe Impact and AEW are on the same level that this might work, and I'm kind of worried that Impact doesn't quite have that talent where it may come off as the invasion angle of WCW versus WWE. D, you want to start that one, or you want me to do it? Oh, man. You know what? Let the amateur talk first, and then you slam the door. (laughs) You know what, what, Dennis? I'm looking at Cody Rhodes' vision of what his dad had way back when before Vince McMahon bought up all the territories and stuff. I think he's trying to recreate territories through different organizations. That's just me thinking. And I think that Kenny Omega is so big that he can put over a rich swan. 
and put credibility to Impact Wrestling. I think that's what they're trying to do. And I mean, this is my opinion. I, I would be dying for that. I, I do like that, you know, let's battle the big giant of WWE by everybody joining forces and being able to put together super events and then they go back about their business and then they put something together every now and again. Like, like the good brothers going to New Japan, Chris Bay going to the New Japan as well. And then you have some guys, you know, mixing it around, kind of like the old 80s style with the territories. That's just my take on it. Yeah, so I would agree with you. I mean, Dennis, I think we spoke about this uh, many times before. It's like, hey, why doesn't all the companies that aren't WWE get together, form a super company? That's going to be the only way to compete. Because I remember before AEW, like Impact, Ring of Honor, they were fighting for the number two spot. And, you know, people like, why are we fighting against each other when we should be working together to take on the, the big company? You know, like right now, this is perfect. We're in the COVID era. What's happening right now with the lockdowns? Big companies are surviving. All the little companies are shutting down. They're going to go out of business, right? And, and we, we look at that and we hate that. So right now, it's like real life right now in pro wrestling. You have the little companies coming together. Imagine if Ring of Honor joined in too. Then that ooh. like, ooh, right? And imagine that to fight the, the big, bad, like, you know, evil. I'm not saying WWE is evil, but, you know, storyline wise, that's what it looks like. Um, I, I got a lot of friends that work there that make a great living. So, I mean, I'm not going to call them evil or anything, uh, but uh, that's what it looks like. Um, now, as for, you know, what you said, Dennis, about like the WCW invasion angle, um, the way if I were booking it, right, let's play the hypothetical game, I wouldn't pretty much have, at least not yet, I wouldn't pretty much have Impact invade AEW. I would do it the other way around, right? AEW has the higher ratings, okay? I mean, that's, it's that's fact. a fact. Yeah. So... When Kenny Omega comes over to Impact, what did that do that one day? Boost the ratings of uh, of Impact, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to do what's what's gonna now? What does AEW benefit out of this? I don't know, right? Maybe they're just awesome and not selfish and stuff. Just like what we talked about, let's merge together and take on the big corporation. Let's get them. Let's get them scared. So I would have AEW invade Impact, right? And then like, there's the rub like right there. The village. Yeah. And then once you get that going, uh, that's going to like, you know, give the rub on impact and then impact can invade back AEW. I don't know where they're going with all this. Um, I don't want to know. I want to be surprised. That's why I'm not like texting Scott or Jimmy Jacobs or anything. Like, Hey, where are you guys going with this? Um, so I want to be surprised. Cause this is, this is never, ever, ever happened before in wrestling. Not to this level. Not to this level, no. Boy, you're making a solid case for it. And I think kind of what you said, keep it small. Don't do a big massive versus card. Maybe have a couple of the top guys fight each other. Leave everybody a little bit separate. And maybe that's how you can make it work because that's tough. Have you ever wrestled Omega? <laughs> yeah, I, I've wrestled him. Uh... <laughs> what was that giggle for? <laughs> 
It's just so funny because I just talked about uh, this with somebody else. I'm not going to get into the details, but we wrestled in 2004 for uh, it was an NWA anniversary show. I think it was like the 56th anniversary show up in uh, his hometown, Winnipeg. And uh, it was uh, I was the exhibition champion uh, and I had to defend it against uh, Kenny Omega. How'd that match go? Oh, it was great. I didn't know Kenny Omega at the time. He was uh, up and coming. Uh, I was the exhibition champion. Um, he wanted to do all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, great, man. Okay, let's see how good this guy is. And he was awesome. Like the only thing I get, I don't remember much about that match. You know, I remember winning and I'm like, yeah, I hold a victory over Kenny Omega now, like eight, 16 years later, like it matters. Um, but I remember saying like, man, this guy's really good. Like I'd done a lot of indie shows and I'm like, this guy's, this guy's going to uh, do something, you know, and he, he sure, sure enough, he did. Well, here's the thing, Dimitri, and, I'm and gonna... I wrestled them again later on. Sorry, I had another match with them, like in in Winnipeg as well for another uh, promotion. And um, did you beat them? That one I don't remember. So you maybe may yes, be... maybe no. I don't know. You may be two zero or one and one at worst versus Kenny Omega. Yeah. So if anything, he's got. If I'm two and zero, now he's got to beat me. To like you know, avenge his two losses. If we're one and one, we have to have the rubber match. So either way, we got to wrestle again. And Dimitri, just in case you don't know, I'm gonna have him tell the story because he's told it several times on our old podcast. He is the worst at remembering people and remembering mm-hmm. matches. And the best story ever is his MVP story. So I was gonna get into that when we. Uh... <laughs> Let's save that one. Uh, actually, I'll just tell it now. Tell it. tell it. It's great. <laughs> All right. So, uh, man, um, you know, I'm with uh, we're at the House of Hardcore in Philly or something like that. Tommy Dreamer. This is like his House of Hardcore 2 or 3 or something. I'm hanging out with like the Young Bucks and like uh, Brian Kendrick at the time. And then, uh, you know, MVP shows up and because he was booked on the show. And, you know, he says hi to the Young Bucks. Hi to... Brian Kendrick, and then I introduced myself to him because we're all standing in a circle. And hey, man, nice to meet you. He goes, "We've met." I'm like, "Oh, really? Okay, cool. Well, good to see you again." He goes, "Yeah, we met. uh, We met like at Impact or or whatever, whatever year he said it was." And I'm like, "Ah, dude, I'm dude." I, I said, "I have the worst memory." I'm like, "I," and I told him a story about how this happened already but with Christian York, if you remember Christian York. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, dude, I'm not an a-hole. I promise. Like I, I just, and then he, Brian, it was a good thing. Brian Kendrick was right there. Cause he's like, no, seriously, he's not an a-hole. He's, he doesn't try to big time or anything like that. It just like, <laughs> he's a good dude. So then um, that was that. And you know, I, I shoot the breeze them or whatever. And then the next house of hardcore me and uh, I don't know if it was like MJF or something like that. Uh, we had to pick him up at the airport and uh I said, why? Or maybe it was Matt Stryker and I. And I told Matt Stryker the story, and I said, watch this. And then he get, I helped him get his bags in the, in the trunk and stuff. And I'm like, hey, Petey, nice to meet you. And he's like, he did not crack a smile with that. <laughs> he did not. He was like. <laughs> but no, he's, I mean, me and MVP get along great. He's a good dude, you know. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just really bad. I did the exact same thing to Christian York. It was worse with him, though, because uh, – Jimmy Rave was standing right there. He was laughing when I introduced myself to Christian York. And he goes, no, nah, dude, we've met at uh, the TNA house show with Hermie Sadler. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But we haven't worked each other before, have we? He goes, yeah, yeah. We, we wrestled that day, like two days in a row. And I'm like, sorry, dude. You <laughs> oh, know, like, man. 
I, I'm not, I, I don't re- try to big time. I just, I, <clears throat> yeah, you'll have to reintroduce yourself uh, every podcast. <laughs> I, so should I call you 51st dates? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though? It happens to me too. Like I've, I've like, even with like the, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, like with the, um, like uh, Jerry, the King Lawler and like, you know, Bobby, the brain, he, I know those guys are big guys, like, but, I've I've been on independent shows with them, talked to them, Sting had conversations with them. Uh, Sting, I don't know if he was, I don't know what's going on, Sting, but them two, like at indie shows, conversations with them, and then later on down the road, when they come to Impact, they're introducing themselves to me, and I don't say, hey, we've met before. I'm just say, hey, good to see you. You know, like I'm 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 Petey. Because here's the thing, I, already, I always feel like a. I always feel like a chump when I don't remember somebody, and I don't want them to feel the same way. So. Hey, you know, you know, we go through the same thing at, at, with baseball. You know, we'll go yeah. to different functions, and and like Tim McCarver, he was notorious for him, Steve Garvey. Every time I see him, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, uh, Tim McCarver? Hey, Dimitri Young, we just hung out yesterday. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, how you doing? And Steve <laughs> Garvey, the same thing. It's just like I guess it's just part of their intro every time they just program and say hey how you doing that's my name yep there's a there's an etiquette right and then you're just like hey how's it going hey how's it going um uh, you know good to see it that's why i never say uh and i'm giving away my secret now i'll never say hey nice to meet you because i've probably met so many people like multiple times i just never had a conversation with them at all and so that's why I always say, "Oh, good to see you. Oh, good to see you. Good to see you." I'm still I'm not still again. That from good you. to see you. Yeah, you you need to. Uh, that, that's a, that's a trick of the trade. I learned. He does that with me. <laughs> good to see you, Dennis. Good yeah. to see you, D. <laughs> but here's the funny thing: the the Sting story, since Sting is back and relevant again, was Sting and Petey were in TNA for years together, and Sting every time would introduce himself to Petey every show. Yeah, it was. I'm like, what is this a is this a rib? I'm like, dude. Like, I've been in locker rooms with you, and I'm like, you know, I team with Steiner, like, and we have matches to get, like, what? <laughs> so I don't know what his deal was. Maybe he was messing with me, or maybe, uh, <laughs> I don't know if, like, he was, the one, play, like, joke. I don't know if he was, like, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe he just doesn't remember, doesn't care to remember. Who knows? Oh, I don't. <laughs> uh, see, this is, this is why we had to have Petey. I've said so many times, the stories, the... The, the insight, the guy's a genius. I mean, I, and I don't mean to toot the PD horn. At least this episode, I will. But you look at all the agents right now in WWE, they have all are part of the PD Williams coaching tree. Not all of them. Well, good uh, bit. I like to – well, not Sanjay. Um, well, so when, when I first got my agent gig, right, I told Demore back in 2017, I said, you know, I'd really like to – start tra- like I would really like to do that he's like oh yeah yeah okay sure kid sure 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 and then all of a sudden he had something going on and the match was uh do you remember it Dennis Matt Seidel versus like maybe Desmond Xavier yeah and it was the last yeah. second he gave you the headset yeah so he's like hey I have this match because I think uh it was still under the control of Jeff Jarrett maybe I think he was still in charge and then Scott was still an agent I don't know I think or, Jarrett was gone I- when you when you came back, Jarrett had just left. No, no, no. When I came, Jarrett brought me back, and oh. then uh, we did the shows in September. And then after that, those shows in September, because uh, it was he, Bruce, oh, it was Pritch, Bruce Pritchard was there, Jared was there, was big, Cornette, big John, 
Cornette was there for like, and they all left as yeah. soon as you came in. No, no, uh, they, they were there, and then at uh, Jeff got fired right at uh, right before that Bound for Glory in Canada. Okay, so I had already been working with the company for a few months, uh, and then that's when he got fired. So there was a transition period. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, so Scott says uh, I was done my match for the night, and he says, "Hey, Petey, um, do you want to age in a match?" And I said, "Yeah, dude. I, yeah, I'd love to." He's like, "All right." Well, uh, can you take the, the next match? Uh, it's uh, Desmond Xavier and, and Matt Seidel. And I'm like, all right, when's it up? He's like, oh, I think in three minutes. I'm like, never doing this before. So I'm like, all right. So I'm trying to get like, you know, what they got going on. And I remember at the time it was uh, Michael Vetter was the producer at the time before Dave Sahadi. And uh, I remember him yelling at me in the headset. He's like, why didn't I know this dive was coming? You know, like, And I'm like, sorry, I, I, I apologize. Like it was my first time. And. Uh, I think I just missed the dive because I didn't even know they were doing it or when they were doing it. Uh, but, uh, you know, after that, I was like, okay, I, I'm getting the hang of this. And then they said, you did good, kid, for, like, just being getting thrown in. But that's how Impact is. Even my debut in Impact, I, I wasn't supposed to be in a three-way match. Uh, we had filmed uh, Team Canada versus Team Mexico. Uh, this is back when we were doing the weekly pay-per-views. Uh, they did four single matches. I was, like, the set, like – First or second one, I had to wrestle Juventud Guerrero, their pre-tape. And then Teddy Hart was next. Teddy Hart uh, injured himself against uh, Mr. Aguila, S.A. Rios. Injured and then, um, himself with the fake yeah. fingers up. Or maybe he was for I, I don't know. But then the pay-per-view is going on in 20 minutes. And it's supposed to be Teddy Hart versus Jerry Lynn versus uh, Juventud Guerrero. Um, like right off the bat. And then Teddy's like, you know, I can't do it. So... You know, Taylor, Taylor's like, he's out. Scott's like, Petey, you're up. Get with Jerry Lynn. And I had 20 minutes to repair a three-way match with them. And then, and that, and I had to win. So that's the impact way. I mean, that's a sink or swim. I think that's what pretty much got me my job. Like if they throw something at you, you better be able to catch it. Or, you know, you, you might not get another opportunity. What was the question anyways, Dennis? Jeez. I don't know, but we're going to move on. Let's uh, touch on one more thing before we get to Brody Lee. It's a change in WWE programming. Uh, Boy, we've gone from the Attitude Era to the Ruthless Aggression Era to the Reality Era. I don't know what you would call this, the Lackluster Era, and now they're going to the Rated R Era, it seems like. I I don't know. They need to do something, but this whole darker thing, and I don't mind a little bit of this darker... Randy Orton, who lit the fiend on fire a few nights ago, and now they're teasing lighting uh, Alexa Bliss on fire. It, PD, as you 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 saw that meme, but I don't know. I think there's a little bit too far, guys. I I want my wrestling to be somewhat believable, but I want it to be an escape from reality. Uh. I, I don't know. I mean, I get made fun of because I'm not a fan of the hardcore matches with tax and tons of blood. Dimitri, let me start with you. Do you do you like this direction that the WWE is going in? No. Ever since they um, knocked uh, Paul Heyman out of that um, executive producer position, I, I like what he was doing. He was elevating different stars, and, and he had a good long-term storyline going in. And once they got rid of him and had him just be um, Roman Reigns' handler, you know, Raw's been very 
lackluster at best. I mean, there are a couple of things that I do watch. I do like watching the Hurt Business, and I do like what's going on in the woman. Well, not really in the woman. I do like watching Lana go through a table every week. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. But um, no, it's just like a. I don't like that dark stuff. I don't like horrors first and foremost. So I definitely didn't too much care for this. As a fan, Pete, and as a wrestler. How do you feel about this rated R change that the WWE is going through? Well, here's the thing. We've been complaining during the John Cena era that we've been in the PG era forever. Like, I don't know if it's just people on social media complaining. I don't know if it's like a, a universal thought that like, yeah, we got to do something else in this this silly PG era. Um, and now it looks like WWE is giving it to them. Like, hey, we're doing something different. And now people are like, eh, I don't like it. <laughs> um, whenever there is a change in anything in life, whether it's for good or for bad, people don't like change. We're all creatures of habit, you know? So now you're turning on your TV. You're like, this isn't the program I usually watch. I don't, I don't like this, but you'll keep watching. And then you'll probably end up liking it. Um, but they need to do something. I mean, if you look at the ratings, uh, you know, uh, w w USA network Fox, I don't know how happy they are with the ratings. Um, I mean, COVID era messed everything up. So who knows? what the direction is. I mean, they're probably trying to figure out like, Hey, what do we do, man? Like this is new to everybody. I don't think anybody alive. Well, maybe some people alive with the, the Spanish flu, but um, nobody's really lived through a pandemic, not in this, like th this, this age. So they got to do something. Do I like it? <sighs> sure. I mean, I'm, I'm all for giving anything a try. You know, we've done silly stuff in impact where we, we killed a person in Impact on multiple occasions. <laughs> you know, like, I think we killed, uh, we went to the undead realm. I remember. Uh, James Mitchell. Yeah, uh, he showed up. Uh, I remember Cut it was like Al Ali. Yeah, he killed yeah. him. Well, no, so first, I think Ali stabbed like uh, Sue Young in the neck or something. And I'm like, did we just axe somebody on TV for real? <laughs> And then we'd legit, like later on, months later, when Allie's contract was expiring, they had the, the Freddy Krueger clause and they legit, they, they killed Allie. But, and then she disappeared in thin air. Like, okay, that's like super R-rated. Um, so <laughs> the way we did it made sense because we didn't do it like, hey, we went to the wrestling ring and somebody died in the, like, just like that. Um, we went to the undead realm. And the undead realm, people are like, okay, Kind of like that, like when WWE does their like boneyard match, stuff like that. It's like, okay, this is produced. We can kind of, uh, you know, expand our imagination. Like, yeah, this could really happen. You know, if demons and stuff were real. You know, that makes sense. Because maybe if if Randy Orton lit Bray Wyatt on fire anywhere else other than the ring, I might have been more okay with it. Now that I'm thinking about it like this, because I didn't look at it at that point of view. I was like, he, he lit him on fire in the middle of the ring in an Inferno match. What are they doing? But now that you kind of say, look, the cinematic matches add a different bit of reality and even maybe some R-rated stuff that I, I might have given him a pass if it was done outside the ring and maybe inside his Firefly Funhouse or anywhere. I mean, D, am I wrong? No, but you remember he already burnt down um the the compound years ago. Randy Orton, what else? What else he gonna he gonna get arrested for arson? 
<laughs> we won't be able to wrestle anymore. Jeez. Wow. Arson and uh, attempt to murder or whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> All the above. Ah, man. Now, yeah, that, that's a that's a different point of view. I'm going to have to chew on that one for a bit. We're going to have to come back I to mean, that. Yeah, but look at that uh, WrestleMania, or maybe it wasn't WrestleMania, but John Cena versus uh, the Fiend and the 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 Firefly Funhouse, Firefly Funhouse, or something like that. I liked like that. that was, yeah. yeah, it was totally off the wall. That doesn't even make yeah, sense in the wrestling world. But that, and that's what they got. Like an Impact, we have the undead undead realm where we can put Rosemary, Sue Young, uh, Father Jim, whoever else, right? And you could go, you could go there. And with WWE, they got Bray Wyatt when he's the Fiend character, like, okay, this is our undead realm. We could do whatever we want over there. We could light people on fire, uh, hang them, whatever, you name it. Do you think the pandemic saved wrestling? Because, no. I mean, it Uh, changed the business, definitely changed it. Because here's the thing. No. Look, well, hear me out, hear me out before, and then we'll we'll change subjects. We're going to wrap this show up, but hear me out. The wrestling business, when the pandemic hit, was never was at its highest peak, right? I mean, AEW indie wrestlers were making a ton of money, were making a living. I mean, it was the best the business has seen in since what the seventies, eighties, easily. Well, not, well, nineties was the hottest then. Well, uh, well, only yeah. well, well, okay, but was it hot for the indie scene though? No. So it was only hot for WCW. I'm talking about the whole wrestling business as a whole. Indies, television, everything at the highest peak for for one industry, right? Now, you can't keep going up. At some point, you're going to have to go down. And when the pandemic hit, everything kind of went down, evened out. Now the indies take a hit. When everything evens out, I think it's going to build it right back up, if not even bigger, because now the fans want it. I, I think... Because at, 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 without the pandemic, where does the wrestling business go? There was well, no innovation. There was yeah. no change. Now everything changes. Yeah. Now, so that that's well, no, I, you're you're right on that. Like when wrestling comes back, when they open up, let's say everybody the COVID's gone and it's under control and stuff, and we can actually have live events. When's that going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody knows. Uh, it might not even happen this upcoming year. Uh, but when that happens, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like, but right now, uh, I would call it, a a recession, a wrestling recession. And what happens after every recession? There's a boom. So we were in a boom recession, boom. So did it save it? No. Cause we're still in that recession. But when we get back out of it, we'll look back on this conversation and say the pandemic saved wrestling. B. I look at it just like I look at it with the other sports. It's a game of adjustments. And in order for the wrestling business to continue, just like baseball and basketball and football, they had to make certain adjustments. And, of course, none of them really have fans. And now they're slowly bringing fans back into it to have that fan interaction that I think everybody took for granted up till the pandemic. You know, baseball have places like Florida and Tampa where – you'll have 5,000 a night and you wouldn't notice them, but you really notice them now because they say there are no fans. And so you still got to go out there and perform. And I credit all of those professional wrestlers and superstars that went out there and made that adjustment because 
Petey, you said it earlier, it's hard to play without a crowd. And I know playing baseball, you go to places that fill up the stadium, like Yankee Stadium or Dodger Stadium, I feed off the energy. If I'm at home, the cheers on the road, the booze, the hey, fat ass, all that, I fed off that. It was like, yeah, I've been kicking y'all's ass. I'm going to continue to. I don't have that same energy to feed off of. So that's why right now with the what the wrestlers are doing, they are opening up a whole nother element that they didn't know that they had because they had to go out there and do everything that they would do without a crowd. And kudos to all of them. I've been oh, podcasting I, without a crowd for years, yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, no, that's a very good point, D. It's a, I, you hit the nail on the head on that one. All right, and the one part of the show we didn't want to have to do, but we do have to pay our respects to Brody Lee, Luke Harper, who passed suddenly. It was, and kind of the backstory was he had a match with Cody, lost a color match. They took him off TV, and more details are coming out where. And we still don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, we can make assumptions and we can guess. It wasn't COVID, but they said uh, lung issues, and he went to Mayo Clinic, which if you do the math, may be lung cancer, but I don't. it's not my job to guess. So uh, he's off TV. He's doing some yard work and uh, essentially just can't finish it out. He's done. Uh, goes to the clinic you know they can't figure out what it is uh negative covid test after negative covid test and i'm kind of freeballing on this as as i go in explaining uh, aew knew and pd as you know in the wrestling business nobody keeps a secret he went to the staff in aew and every one of them kept the secret which right there is unprecedented yeah no absolutely i mean uh the, the fact that somebody they keep is secret like that is crazy. And, you know, he probably didn't tell everybody. I, I don't know who he told. Like, first off, I mean, it's it's such a tragedy that he passed. I That sucks. Okay. We'll, we'll start right. off with that. Um, but you know, some people want their privacy. Some people don't. Like, and he wanted his privacy. And he probably, and again, I'm just speculating. He probably told. Uh, people that he needed to tell so they knew what was going on he asked them please don't tell anybody they didn't um and they kept it a secret they honored his wishes of you know because you, you don't have to give that's you don't have to give up medical information that's that's a hipaa violation if somebody doesn't want you to like that's you don't have to do it um and then you know i've heard i, I don't know the 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 what really happened i'm not going to pry or anything if I don't like when people pry into my personal life. I, there's a lot of stuff that I share in my personal life. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't. I'm sure uh, Dimitri's the same way. Dennis, you're the same way. Absolutely. Um, but I, I just wish people would respect that. And um, people have certain types of privacy, you know, that they want. Uh, but... I also, I've, I, you just hear rumors and you don't know what's true. Like I heard pulmonary embolism, a blood clot that went to the lung. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't matter what it was. It really doesn't. Um, I think people are just more concerned about COVID. Was it COVID? Uh, I think his wife came out on record and said it was not COVID. Right. Um, and leave it at that. 
I mean, respect them. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I know AEW has a, uh, a big tribute planned uh, for him on their next set of, uh, on their next show. Uh, so just enjoy that, celebrate his life. And it, it, it sucks. It, it sucks. And, and before I, I ask you a personal question of whether you've known anybody in the wrestling business that passed that was close to you, which we'll talk about here in a second, only because we're on this topic, what AEW has done for that family is phenomenal. They signed his son to a essentially a lifetime contract. They're going to give him a job if he wants to be a wrestler when he grows up. They gave him the AEW championship a few nights ago uh, in a dark match. If you read all this stuff, the fact that his son helped make this tribute card is phenomenal. This is a, when I see this out of a company, it makes me kind of root for him even harder. Not that no one was rooting against AEW because we all love wrestling, but it makes me go, man, you know what? And I love Impact. Impact's been very good to me and very good to UPD, but it makes me root even harder for AEW. D-Mac? D-Mac's not here. The meat hook? The meat hook. I, I get them all. I'm so used to having to throw it to one of the talkers. Uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm a big listener. But, uh, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, prayers go out to the family. You know, that is absolutely the worst thing to, you know, you know, leave your kids behind. And, and, and for AEW, for – actually keeping it hush hush because I'm, I'm a big I, I like dark order especially when he took over and watching what dark order has been going through and i and i watch aew dark and you know they have all those guys coming in and out and you just kind of like dang where's where's brody lee? where's mr brody lee at because when he he made a, a serious impact and and then when you hit when you text text us the other day about what happened it was just like it was draw drop dropping because you have a current wrestler who, who seemed healthy who passed away yeah and and then i think what makes it more heartbreaking is that he was beloved by everybody i mean he touched everybody wherever he was at he touched somebody in a positive way left a positive imprint and, and that's what makes it even worse. I mean, not to say if he was a bad person, but, you know, as they say, the good die young. And then you just get the examples and then listening to you two talk and seeing what AEW has done for his family, essentially, because, one, that was their income was him going out there, being a professional wrestler and honing his skills and being able to an AEW. So... You know, I mean, it's heartbreaking, and, and you can just pray for the family and 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 just keep it positive. Dimitri, let me ask you the same question I'm about to ask Petey. Did you ever have kind of a beloved teammate pass during the season or why you were playing with them? How did the team handle it, kind of from a baseball perspective? You know, I was thinking about that. I didn't have anybody that passed away during the season. I had teammates that passed away you know, like in the off season or whatever. Um, the one that sticks out the most is uh, Jose Lima, Lima Tang. The pitcher. You know, um, yes, absolutely hated him when he was with the Astros because he had so many antics and stuff. But everybody hated him because he's like, you're showing me up, you know, the baseball unwritten rules. But then when you play on the same team as Lima, he is like the most beloved guy ever. I mean, he totally pulls for you. He's like, in your ear, like, come on, we're going to get them goddamn people tonight. We're going to kick their ass. 
And then he gives you that inspiration. And it's like, man, I really love that guy. And then when he passed away, you know, you just you just look back at all the good times that you I look at all the times because I remember when I couldn't stand him. And then when when he was the most beloved guy in our in our locker room in Detroit. So um, I know that that whoever knows him and been around him, you know, they're going to feel that impact of him not being around and they're just going to just remember the good things about him. Remember everything, really, because, you know, you love the person for who they are. Pete? Um, yeah, well, several. I don't want to uh, list the mocks. I don't want to, uh, Cry. you know, leave anybody out. But, uh, you know, the, the big one that stood out earlier in my career is uh, Chris Candido. Um, I, I I had just wrestled him. And uh, like his, his second last match or something, we were doing uh, – it was on impact. Uh, he uh, – I don't remember what type of match it was. It was a six man, something like that. So we worked. And then I guess the next, the next day on the set of TV tapings, it could have been the week later. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, he, he broke his leg in a match. He wanted like a drop kick or something. And then, uh, you know, he got cast up and all that kind of stuff. And then a week goes by, he comes back to the set of TV tapings. He has, uh, he's, he's um, managing the naturals. Uh, Chase Stevens and Andy Douglas and you know they're a heel group and he's in the wheelchair and the only thing he did was um, he, he got up like in the ring and like pulled somebody's leg or, or something like that like so he did kind of get physically involved but not and then um, then he died of an aneurysm like the next day hmm. and like I rem- I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people remember that like he was one of the roster members and he like because he got a broken leg, he died of an aneurysm because the he got a blood clot and it, you know, went to his brain. That's or, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. So it, there's many stories of that. I'm sure like a, wrestling, just like baseball, just like any other sports, uh, even if you're not working in the same promotion or on the same team, uh, you know, you understand the sacrifices and stuff that you go through to be part of that, whatever business you're in. So whenever somebody passes, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. Well, there's nowhere to go but to say, listen, thank you guys for listening. Uh, big things coming now that Petey's back home. Now that we're back to being the wrestling perspective, which I miss, Pete. I missed you. Uh, I missed you too. I've got. I've had a good group of guys holding this down. And I'm glad that you are now part of this awesome text thread that we are on, which can be a trip and it can be, it can be a headache at times. So good luck, um, Dimitri. Yeah, beware, Jason. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Dimitri, I mean, how awesome is this? No, this is absolutely incredible. You know, uh, first of all, you know, you have your 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 partner. You got your partner back, and 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 you brought us along with you. You know, you was able to branch off and start your own thing, but now you bring it back home and you're including me in it. So I'm more than ecstatic to be part of this. But in the insight is phenomenal in the storytelling. It's it once again, this is Dimitri. You get to do what I always get to do when I hear you, Jason, talk or, you know, you guys tell war stories. We get to now sit back and enjoy listening to a pro tell stories too. Amen. So. 
with that being said, guys, happy new year. We are back. We're back. That's all I can say. So uh, if only I hit record on this show, this would have been great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. <laughs> hey, get going, Dennis. All right, guys. Look for the rebranding, everything wrestling perspective. It will be hitting the shelves and everything soon. Good night. Happy New Year. <laughs>